Hey everybody, you know what that sound means. That means that it's Men Monday. So ladies, this is for the men. And I just want you to sit back and listen to the perspective. Thank you, Audio Hub, for my amazing background music. All right, ladies, sit back and relax. Men, give us a call at 404-855-7723. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Ladies Promoting Transparent Advocacy Podcast. I'm your podcast host, Shay Pate. Thank you for tuning in. And tonight, my guest is a person who was fed up with the status quo in politics in his community. So he took action. He ran this year, 2020, for a state senate seat for one of the districts in Georgia so that he can make a difference and a change in his community. So now I will allow my guest to introduce himself. Please introduce yourself. Hey, thank you so much for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm Michael Karsten. Um, I reside here in Atlanta, Georgia, in the southwest Atlanta. I'm a husband, father. I have uh, two adult sons. Uh, by trade, I'm an intellectual property paralegal, which I've been in that trade for more than 26 years. Uh, I'm currently working for a prominent uh, worldwide nonprofit in that role. Uh, Further, I'm a community activist, I'm an author, an entrepreneur, and as you just mentioned, I ran for state senate in Georgia's District 38. Again, thank you so much for having me on your show. Absolutely. Well, I would like to know if you were just sitting at home saying, I want to make a difference, what can I do? Or was there something that triggered you to actually want to even run for state senate? What made you run? Well, the, the, the primary reason is, and, and I said this throughout my campaign, is visible and viable leadership. Uh, the, the General Assembly only meets about 40, 41 days a year. That's, that's all they're in session for. And then once it's over, they're done. And then it's, they don't meet until, you know, following the next January. So, um, but it's important, however, uh, during the time where they're not in session, that the that state legislators be engaged, involved in the community. And in District 38, the person who's in an office, she's been in office now, um, she won re-election, by the way, um, against me and a, a couple of other opponents who were in the race. She, she won the primary, so she's not being challenged in November. But she's been in office since uh, for the last 20, she's just going into her 23rd and 24th year in the office. And her dad was in office for about 16 years. So all in all, in this particular district, uh, one family or two individuals would have been in office for almost 40 years. Wow. And that's just a long time um, for one person or one family to be in office, yet the needs of District 38 are, are vast. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of things that's going on, the quality of life issues, from affordable housing to health care to, um, you know, in some areas, crime, uh, no economic development. So my goal, my, the purpose of me running is to say, hey, I'm visible and viable candidate. You can see they'll be on the ground working with our partners in the community um, throughout the year, not just the, the, the time that you know, the, we're in session, but really seeing how we can build uh, you know, coalition building so that we can get those things and those needs for the community addressed. 
Um, but she has a name, her family has a name, and they, you know, it's a legacy name, and she continues to win with that name without even doing anything in the community. Um, so it's, uh, to be honest with you, I, I was thoroughly beaten by someone who doesn't even have a website. <laughs> so that's how much that name has, um, you know, been entrenched in the community, and I just thought it would be um, that I was a, a good candidate um, who could bring some value to the to the constituents in the community. So that, that was primarily it, so that the constituents' voices can be heard and so that I can better represent them and offer them the things they needed. Wow. I guess that's an example of what people say, don't talk about it, be about it. <laughs> uh, most, most definitely. I mean, running for office is more than a notion. It's not, you know, I, I thought about it um, for uh, probably almost a year. Because it was brought to my attention back in 2018, and someone said, ah, oh, you have any political aspirations? And I'm like, yeah, I've been around politics, I've been following politics, but I had never run as a candidate. So um, I, I thought about it, prayed about it for about a year, and then went ahead and, you know, jumped in there. And then all of a, sort, all of a sudden, 2020 came, and then we had COVID. So that, that just changed things a lot. Yeah, I know. I know it affected your campaign because... Um, full disclosure, I was going to help try to do a fundraiser for you. So, um, you know, we were going really hook that up. <laughs> so why don't you tell our listeners how voting is still crucial, even during the pandemic? Um, voting, voting is critical in all elections. Um, I, I can't stress that enough. Um, I've actually blocked some people on social media who are on you know, going in and talking about voting doesn't matter. But I, I, sometimes I tell people I don't have the energy to really just I, try to convince people that voting matters. But you know, the New York Times reported uh, that nearly 100 million registered voters stayed home in the 2016 presidential election. Wow. Um, 100, that's a lot of people. Yes. Voters, not just people, but, but registered voters. Right. Um, yet, the, 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 the current occupant in the White House he only won a few swing, what they call swing states, by 77,000 votes. That's it. He's in office because 78,000 people in, in three states didn't vote for him and didn't bother to vote, I mean, didn't vote, didn't bother to vote, or didn't vote for him or her or, or whatever, and they just stayed out. If, if 80,000 of that 100 million, I mean, that's a drop in the bucket, that decided, you know, that we want to... You know, at the time, everyone thought this part, uh, Hillary Clinton was the most qualified candidate in the race. But again, there was a narrative. There were a lot of things, um, you know, that, that pushed that election. But it's, it's uh, what I want to press upon people is that it's, it's the state and local elections is where the change is made. So people get all bent out of shape every four years, say, ah, I'm not going to vote because I don't really want to vote for the president. I don't like the president, or the president's not going to make a difference. In most cases, the president doesn't have a direct impact or what has direct impact um, uh, is your school board, your city council, your sheriffs, your DAs. We talk about criminal justice reform and we talk about uh, food insecurity and different things that are going on in our community, particularly black communities, but it's those it's these local elections, it's the state elections, it's the county elections that really, really make a difference. So when people stay home and people decide, well, I'm not going to get involved, I don't want to say anything, but basically what they're saying is, I don't, my vote doesn't count and my voice doesn't count. Because to be honest with you, politicians only listen to the people that vote for them. 
It's it's not right. They don't reach out. Uh, I can't tell you how many people have said to me, man, go after your 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 super voters. And I'm like, well, what about the other people in the, in the, uh, the other voters? Like, don't worry about them because they're not going to vote. And I'm like, that just doesn't make sense to me. It, I don't, I'm not, I won't just be representing a small swath of people. I will be representing <coughs> over 100,000 people in the district. And it's important that everyone's voice, everyone's voice is heard. But politicians typically do not um, listen to people that don't vote because they figure you're not going to vote, you're not engaged, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to help me win to make a difference. So I'm not going to listen to you. And I think it's a, it's a, it's the wrong attitude to take. But it's it's what's been going on for a long time. But voting is important. If you really want to have a voice, if you really want what you have to say matters, it's very, very important that you get out and you exercise your right to vote. Well, I really appreciate your perspective. You're being a part of the process and the system. You can see things that the average person would not see. And speaking of voting, um, being in the state of Georgia, whew, we have a really bad reputation right now. First of all, we go back to 2016. The governor's race, you know how that turned out. And there was all kind of voter suppression, fraud, and all kind of things, even though they claim it can't be proven. Some things actually don't need to be proven. Everybody is paying attention. I, I think they're paying attention more than people give them credit for. And some things, we, we do research. We see, we see it in our face. And there's no doubt that the 2016 election in Georgia definitely was not handled correctly and that's always going to be a negative mark on the state of georgia but then you get 2020 we have all these brand new machines for the primaries that nobody knew how to work they made it really difficult for people to vote although i must admit because i stood in line and i did early voting those lines were amazing and i'm gonna tell you what one of the security guys said to me when i was in line and it was about 7 a.m. And he and it was very hot. And he said, you know what? He said, Miss, he said, this is the most I've seen people. It's 7 a.m. And look at this line. And I said, good. So we all start clapping. <laughs> I'm good. I'm, I'm glad. Because I'm not a morning person. But when it comes to stuff like this, I didn't care. 7 a.m. I was there. So can you talk to people? Go ahead. Suppression is real. I mean, voice suppression not only in Georgia. Um, as you mentioned, the governor's race, and the governor was the secretary of state at the time, uh, suppressing black votes at the time he was running as a candidate and secretary of state. So he was openly taking people off the voter rolls, but he's able to do that when people aren't engaged. And I, and I, and I like to put it this way, and I like to tell people this way. Um, if voting doesn't matter, going back to your last question, then why are they working so hard to stop you from voting? Right. Um, you know, historically, uh, you know, primarily, you know, white men, and then go back to landowners because they own land at the time. They stood, they stood in opposition to women, Native Americans, African Americans, for years, not wanting to vote. They put in, um, you know, draconian laws uh, for people not to vote. They they closed down. You know, in one place, they put the voting precinct at a jail. I think right here in Georgia. Um, uh, in in uh, Kansas City, it's not Kansas City, but uh, one of the one of the Southwest states, they 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 closed all the polls except one poll and uh, polling place for people to come and vote, 
So all of the people in that community or in that area, I think it was somewhere 66 to 80,000 people only had one place to vote. You know, um, in Florida, the voters in uh, 2018 voted overwhelmingly to restore voting rights to formerly incarcerated Indians. I heard about that. Um, yeah, yet the governor and the state, the people voted. It was on the ballot. The people said, yes, we want people who have, are formerly incarcerated, have felony conviction, they can go and vote. Well, then the governor came in, and then the state legislators who controlled the state said, no, we want a poll tax. And we want a poll tax. They basically said, we want them to pay all their fees and fines before they can vote. As a matter of fact, that's the way it is here in Georgia. Most people don't think about it, but you cannot vote here in Georgia until you pay all your fees and fines. Really? Then they tell you when you, yeah, but then when they tell you when you get out of jail, you go find a job, which is hard to find a job with a felony on your record, so you're trying to find a job to, to, so that you can um, live, you know, some kind of life, some kind of normalcy, and then they want you on top of that to pay these fees and fines. Wow. Last year in 2019, I was at the state capitol, and we were there was a the, the there was a commission, there was a uh, five man, five uh, panel commission made up of five state senators who were looking at uh, restoring voting rights, but they really weren't looking at it. They were just they just got together, and in the end, we had two Republicans on one side, two Democrats on the other. The, the Republicans control the Senate. So the, the committee chairperson was a Republican who sided with them that basically we don't find any reason why felons should have their rights restored. And then there's a hundred, I think there's, there's, a, there's over a hundred what they call moral turpitude clauses. So like, they, they can think it's morally wrong for you to spit on the ground. If you spit on, if you were, if you were using a spit on the ground, that's called for you not to vote. So it's all kind of weird stuff like that that they have in place to stop people from voting, um, but it, because they know it matters, they know when people exercise their voice uh, through the through the power of the ballot, um, then that's a powerful thing. People always say, "Well, why are people looting and rioting and stuff?" Because they're, I, personally, I don't, I don't agree with it. Um, I understand it. I don't agree with it. But the best nonviolent way, and I saw this uh, in a post someone put out, the best nonviolent way. To, to really let your voice be heard is at the ballot box because you can go vote and say, I want this person, I don't want this person, I want that person, so forth and so on. So it's, they've been doing it, voter suppression is rampant throughout the country. Um, and, you know, we have to do everything we can, but if people don't vote, if they don't vote these politicians out, if they don't, they're going to continue to put, put, in, put things in place to make it harder for you to vote. I agree with that, and I think that people don't really understand, like you said earlier, how the local election is what you really need to be concerned about, because like I try to tell people, the, the public defender that you are assigned if you get in trouble, the DA that's trying to put you in jail, the sheriff that is targeting you for no reason. I mean, these are things that affect our everyday lives, and of course we want them to vote when it comes to the presidential election and the senators and the um, the House of Representatives, but I think people need to pay more attention to everything right now that is happening because it's very clear, depending on who you watch, that the story can be told 
totally changed when you listening to it. I have I, I'm a surfer. I, I literally watch all the channels because I want to hear what everybody has to say. And of course, I do my own research, and a lot of it is just blatantly obvious to me. That's just me. And I just think that people need to get a little more engaged and find out what's happening because. Unfortunately, things are happening where we're stuck in the house, but fortunately, this is also an opportunity that we can engage and pay attention to what's on the news or do our research about what's getting ready to happen because in my lifetime, I can't remember ever being so afraid because this is going to be probably the most important election in my lifetime, and it definitely will affect everybody and like you i hear some of my relatives who always be saying you always try to encourage people to vote it don't mean anything and then i have to remind some of them depending on who they are or their circumstances and what they've already been through which negatively they don't even think about how the local government was affecting what happened to them so i just try to tell people to go on out there and vote and if you think your vote don't count act like it does you know that's that's my whole thing yeah I, it's, 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 you know we have to we have to think smart and we have to we have to strategize and and, and one of the things you said this that you do you know you do your homework um that for me is is really where um I'm, i want to spend a lot of my time the next you know few months to a year is really dealing with voter engagement and voter education because a lot of people aren't engaged um and, it's, and in some instances they're not engaged but that but that doesn't mean they're not educated they, right they just they don't want to be bothered right then you have a large swath you have a large swath of people that that fall in the vote category they're not educated about what's going on and they're not engaged right so you know and then they again this is all that well, i feel like my vote doesn't count mm -hmm. well you can you know you can um you can you can step up and make your vote count so people are counting and i and i say this too and, and and, and full disclosure, I'm a Democrat, I've been a Democrat, and a lifelong Democrat. But we should claim, this has to claim that Republicans are trying to suppress the vote. In a lot of cases, they are. But there are Democrats in office that have been in office for years and years and years that don't want a lot of people to vote either because they want to keep their power. I agree. They count, the, they count, they count their votes based on the number of people they know that's going to vote. So they don't want people to turn out um, you know, they don't want to, people to turn out in droves unless they obviously turn out for them. You know, if they got an incumbent by their name, because a lot of people will come out and say, oh, well, I don't know the people on this ballot, but they're incumbent, so I might as well just vote for them. Right. And they, and they don't really know, or they see a whole bunch of judges. You know, one of the things we have to do is be smart about what we want on the ballot. Um, this last election here in Georgia, in the primary, that the ballot was so long, and on that ballot, you had six or seven questions about things that really weren't going to be passed as law. They were just questions to ask people what they thought about voting rights for felons and the like. And it's like, you don't need to put that on the ballot. It just, it just doesn't make sense um, to put that on the ballot for, you know, you, you, it, put it on there as a referendum and let people vote on it. But don't just put it on there as a questionnaire on a ballot that's already, you know. Too much. Too yeah, it's too much. So, 
I agree. Well, I want to thank you for calling in and taking time out to speak with me and giving the listeners some background on not just being a voter, but being a person trying to make a difference. And I want people to understand we have power. We have power and we can't give up in this Especially right now. Because if it's not now, when is it? <laughs> yeah, no, we, we have to we have to stay in the fight. And we have to make sure that um, we do everything that we can to protect uh, to protect our right to vote. We have to do everything we can to educate people and we have to do everything we can to hold politicians accountable. Not only just accountable to vote a certain way, but accountable such that they are visible and they're active and they're engaging in the community and they're bringing the resources and things that we need to our community. Most of our community are, are, you know, are governed and ran by people that look, you know, I'm African American, I know you're African American, they look like us. Right. They're not getting, our communities are still in the condition that they're in. Right. And we have to make sure that we get the right people in office who care about the people and not about the position. Correct. Well, Mr. Carson, I thank you. I was hoping I was saying Senator Carson, but that's just the beginning. I'm considering throwing my hat in the, uh, in the race again. Okay. Well, you know I already got your back. So I just want to thank you for taking time out for doing this interview with me and giving the listeners an opportunity to just have somebody that looks like them and started out in life like them and showing them that you can make a difference. And like I said, when you decided to take the step to go on and run for state senate, you were doing what people should be trying to do. Whatever it takes to make change, if it's up to you to be that change maker, be it. Well, thank you for calling in, and I really appreciate you, and so do the listeners. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Uh, continue blessings on getting success on your podcast, and I'm grateful for the opportunity. Thank you. Listeners, I hope you've had an opportunity to listen to the podcast, and I thank Mr. Carson for calling in. And I appreciate you guys for listening. And if you would like to ask us any questions regarding this podcast, please reach out to us at our podcast email address, which is podcasthost, shaypate19 at gmail. That's all small letters, podcasthost, shaypate19 at gmail. And if you would like to ask questions regarding our organization, you can email us at ladiespromotingtransparentadvo at gmail.com and we ask that you follow us on Twitter and you would follow us at Advocacy Ladies and that's a capital A and a capital L on Twitter and if you want to call in to the call in line please give us a call at 404-855-7723 and as you know I like to always end my show with the famous question what do you have to say let us know Thank you.